0: Grab your Bible this morning. Turn to the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter number six this morning. Acts chapter number six. Barnabas asked me if the, what the water was for this morning. Somebody else on the way in said, you know, is that for you to drink? Like as if, you know, I'm getting old or something. And I said, no, we're baptizing this morning. <laughs> and so, I was Well, praise the Lord. By the way, if you haven't been baptized, you need to get baptized if you're saved, amen? Oh, and again, amen. hope you follow through in scriptural baptism. Acts chapter number six this morning. Church, I want to, as the Lord allows, I want to go ahead and go the direction as far as the idea of committed. Uh, this year is our theme, and I don't usually preach this many messages. I feel like the Lord keeps going this direction. You know, we as Christians ought to be committed to Christ. If you remember, I think it was last week's message. I think I used Simon, if I remember correctly, I threw him that pitcher. Was, was that through him? I threw him that pitcher, and he caught it, which he really would have messed things up if he wouldn't have, but I'm glad he did. But the idea that we're in God's hands and we ought to place ourselves in the Lord's hands and realize that he knows what's best for us. And by the way, he's not going to drop us. He's going to keep us safe and he's going to use us as he would see fit if we would put our lives into his control. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager on this end going forward of life of what's God's will for my life and where am I going to end up and what am I going to do? Or if you're on the other end of life, if you've lived several years of your life and you're a senior, can I just tell you, if you're breathing, God has a purpose for your life. You never get to a place, I've retired from God. All right? And I know a lot of times a person looks, looks forward to that. I was somewhere, I don't, yesterday, I don't know where I was, but I, I was listening to somebody's conversation. Oh, I don't know what it was, that's Home Depot. And so the uh, lady asked the fella, he, uh, You have time for this? And the guy said, I'm retired, I got plenty of time. Well, by the way, if you're retired, use your time for the Lord, amen? And uh, by the way, another plug come out and drive. Drive some of these teenagers around, let them drive you crazy, all right? And, uh, but do something, don't just a lot, be committed. Say, okay, Lord, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. And uh, this morning, I want to talk about Stephen for just a little bit. And Stephen was definitely one of those people that was committed, and he gave his life for the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Father, help us this morning. Give us the words to say for your people. You know what people need this morning. Lord, again, please, please you please comfort Mrs. Green and those of the family. Lord, thank you again for the church family. Father, would you bless them today. Help us as a whole. And Lord, again, feed us from your words. People who can't be in the service, maybe even listening this morning, Father, give them what you want from your word as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Acts chapter number six, would you follow now just a few verses? And again, I want to look at two chapters without reading all of the verses this morning. In chapter six, verse number one, this is the first deacons. It says, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. There's your reason for having deacons. The number of the disciples were multiplied. Verse number three um, uh, you know, i want to read this if you don't mind. Verse number one again, it says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Verse four says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer, into the ministry of the word, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose what's his name. Stephen. The description is a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. It mentions the other fellows there also. Verse number, if you pick it up, verse number eight. And Stephen, what's the phrase again? Churchman, I, I want you to notice you don't have it circled or underlined. In verse number five, it says Stephen, a man full of faith. In verse five, and then verse number eight, it says, and Stephen, full of faith and power. Did, it did great wonders and miracles among the people. So the description of Stephen is one that was full of faith. Church, let's pick it up now in verse number um, pick it up, verse number 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and uh, Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and A- of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses. Now that's key, by the way, because chapter number seven is going to refer to Moses again and again and again. So their accusation in verse number 11, then they suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came unto him and caught him and brought him to the council and set set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. Law again referring to Moses. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel." Now, church family, verse number, chapter number 7, again, I don't want to lose you on a Sunday morning, but you kind of get the idea. Stephen becomes a deacon, and as soon as God, the church, puts its hands upon Stephen, not with miraculous power, but with the authority to be able to be the deacon, God uses them and it uses him as a deacon and as a, as a believer in a very great way. Now, Stephen's mentioned even more than the other six men that were deacons, and it's because he was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And he gets and he gets, and he's, now he's disputing with people. Church family, listen. Stop living this political correctness in our society. You're a Christian. Yeah. You're not going to fit in, and people are not going to pat you on the back because of what you believe. We've got this idea that Christians, we're supposed to be the, the, the shy, mellow person in the background and let the world just speak its false, false, falseness, and we're not supposed to say a word. There ought to be some Christian, because if, if, any, if you're a Christian, you're going to suffer persecution. There ought to be somebody who says, that's not right. Amen. That's not true. The Bible says this. We don't have to be ashamed that we're Christians. By the way, let your light so shine before men. In other words, you should have an influence on people. And I'm not not talking about being a troublemaker or a rabble rouser, as they would say. But I'm talking about, hey, listen, don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you You can speak your faith. I don't believe that. I believe the Bible teaches this. This is what God wants for the Christian life. Now, I know as a lost person, they're not going to understand the Bible, but can I just tell you that Stephen was not passive. He disputed with them. Hey, let me tell you what the truth really is, all right? Now, chapter number seven, he comes before the council. Let's pick it up in verse number one. It says this, Then said the high priest, are these things so? In other words, the accusations that you spoke against Moses and against the temple, against God. He says, are these things so? Verse number two, And he said, men, now this is Stephen speaking, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. Now, church family, there's 60 verses in chapter number seven, and we don't have time to read it because I want to give you the thought this morning, but he is going to go through Israel's history. And by the way, you, the reason he knew his, Israel's history is because he read the scriptures. He knew what the Bible, Old Testament, Torah, he knew what the Bible said, and he's relating that. All right, if you're with me so far, say amen. 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 Right, now, please follow now. Look at just a couple verses. Look back at verse number two again. Then he said, men, brethren, and fathers, hearken to the God of glory, uh, I'm sorry, the God of glory appeared unto our father. What's his name? He's going to tell the story of Abraham from verse number two down to verse number seven. And he, Abraham, I'm sorry, and he, God, gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat who? So I circled Abraham in verse number two. You can do it throughout the other verses. But the beginning of speaking of Abraham in verse number two down to verse number seven. Verse number eight is Isaac. And then it says, and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat who? I circled the word Jacob, and Jacob begat the 12 patriarchs, and the patriarchs moved with envy and sold who? Joseph, Joseph. I circled the word Joseph. You, I don't know if you can see it or not, but he's going through the history of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, who are those? Those are what we refer to as the patriarchs of Israel. Who is the father or the, or the, that we call the father of Israel? Abraham, he was the one that God set aside for the Jewish nation to begin, all right? You stay with me a little longer here, look, let's look a little farther. So then he's going to tell the story of Joseph from basically verse number 9 down to verse number 19. All right, look, pick it up verse number 20. In which time, who's the next character? Moses, Moses was born. I circled the word Moses in, the, in this time. Now Moses is going to be mentioned several times um, here down through uh, at least to verse number 37. But let's pick it up verse 20. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding... Uh, fair and nourished up in his father's house three months, and when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So he's going to tell the story. He's going to talk about the, uh, going, going before Pharaoh and asking, for God to, or asking Pharaoh to let God's people go, etc. Okay, the burning bush. All of these stories are mentioned here. Let's pick it up in verse number 37 now. Verse number 37. Church family, I'm going to ask you a question before we read verse 37. The accusation, again, just so you remember now, in chapter number 6, the accusation against Stephen was is that he was speaking against Moses. Now Stephen is going to use Moses to, for them to understand that it wasn't about Moses. It was about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, the, again, they don't want, people don't want to hear about Jesus. And they can make all excuses. Well, that's a cult or, you know, that church believes this or church believes that. The problem is we believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We believe that Jesus Christ died for all mankind. We believe that God, for God so loved the world. It's not a matter of separation or music or or standards or buildings. I want to tell you what the problem is. People don't want to hear about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way, and that's what happened here. So they're starting to condemn him, condemn Stephen. Stephen, you know what the problem is? You're, You're against the law. You're against what we believe. You're against Moses. That was not the issue. Look at verse 37. Now, remember, Stevens continued his message to them. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. Now, I know you haven't read the whole passage, but who do you think that the prophet that shall be of their own people, who do you think that was? That's Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse, verse number 38. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him, thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back into Egypt, saying unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. All right, now, church, think about the story. You remember, of course, Moses in the Mount, getting the Ten, Ten Commandments, And what are they doing? They're making a golden calf down down in the valley there. And, of course, Moses comes down and breaks the Ten Commandments. So he's telling this story. I'm almost there. Follow me a little farther. Look at verse number 44. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he had appointed, speaking unto who, That he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with who? Jesus. All right, so here's what Stephen's doing. He's making the connection with Moses to Jesus Christ. Hey, you, t- you say I'm against Moses? No, you're against Moses. You know why you're against Moses? Moses told you there'd be a prophet. Y- you think I'm against Moses? Moses is the one that built the tabernacle, and everything about the tabernacle points to Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, look what he says next, all right? He must have been an independent Baptist. You can almost feel it, can't you? Man, all this confrontation, all this turmoil. Hey, turmoil is not always bad, by the way. You know why? Because this isn't our home. Our home's in heaven, all right? Read, the, read Revelation 20 and 21. That's when you find no more death, no more sorrow, no more curse. It's going to be great, all right? So we are disputing. Look what he says next here. Verse number, uh, let's pick it up in verse number 46. Who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for God of Jacob. But Solomon built a house, all right? Howbeit, that was the temple. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Jump down to verse number uh, Oh, verse 51. Now, listen to Stephen in his mild-mannered, kind way. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one. Who's the just one? Of whom ye, Jesus, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of disposition, disposition of angels and have not kept it. Now, church, t- let me think for just a second here. Here, go, are you with me so far? I'm almost to the message. Believe me. So Stephen gets up and he be, he's preaching this message, 60 verses long, he's preaching this message. He says, listen, you condemn me that I'm against Moses. I want to tell you what Moses said. Moses said there'd be somebody after him that you should have followed. He's called the prophet. He's the one that th- the, tab- the temple, I'm sorry, the tabernacle was, the, was an example, exemplified of. Church, I mean, you remember the tabernacle? The first piece of furniture you came to him was the brazen altar. What was the brazen altar? They had to bring a blood sacrifice and that blood sacrifice had to be shed at the brazen altar. It's a picture of the cross. Jesus was the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. Then you came to the laver. You can never get to the laver before you get to the brazen altar. This thing of trying to clean up your life at the laver before you go to the brazen altar is not going to work. Cleaning up the outside doesn't clean up the inside. So he says, hey, listen, it's not about Moses. It's about what Moses said you're against. Moses told you Jesus Christ was coming. You don't like it. Stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and mind. Like, I love it. Come on, Stephen. Preach. Alright, now I want to show you. You're gonna find that they, they're very receptive to this. <laughs> they loved preaching. They loved a the man of God sticking his bony finger in their face and said, No, the problem's you. Look what they did. Now, next verse, verse number 54. When they heard these things, they threw a party. Different type of party. Hanging party, stoning party. All right, verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, I have a hard time understanding that. You talk about childish, they came up and bit him. They gnashed on him with their teeth. How you like that one? You know, we're really suffering for Christ because people said, I don't like that. I don't think you should do that. Or they cuss at us. Try having them biting you. Unbelievable, bite back. All right, next. Verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost... <laughs> Makes you wonder what he tasted like. Verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now I want to just point this out. I think this is interesting. When, we, when Jesus is talked about in the scripture, it says that Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of the Father. When you look anywhere else in scripture, Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen looked up and saw Jesus Christ, he's standing. You don't think Jesus takes an interest in you? He took an interest in Stephen. Look what he says next here. Verse 56, and said, behold, I see the heaven." Stephen said this, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, just remember, me, I, I think Stephen was committed. Yeah. Think about it. He was committed when people were, were condemning him, when they were giving false accusations. He was committed when he was giving the message. He was committed when they said, stone this fella. He was committed when he died. Just remember, me, if, if it were me and people are throwing stones at me, I wouldn't be praying, God, would you please not lay this sin to their charge? I'd say, God, drop a boulder on their head too. God, punish them. They're killing me. That wasn't Stephen. You know why? Because Stephen was committed. Stephen knew that, hey, listen, my body does not belong to me. If they want to stone it, they can stone it. Stephen was committed when it came to the message. It was not about him or people liking him. It was about telling people the truth. Listen, there needs to be Christians that are not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not ashamed, not just to pass the gospel track, but to be say, hey, listen, when I was such and such, I was at a church, I was at a camp, somebody showed me from the Bible how I could be saved, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. Hey, church, I know, soul winning training is coming up, I think, at the end of the month, last Thursday of the month, and also the first Thursday. I know at soul winning training, we teach you as far as having something to say. There's nothing worse than coming to a door or talking to somebody, and they open the door and you go... So at soul winning training, I'm gonna teach you just to have something in your head. So when they open that door, hello, my name's Scott, this is John. We're from the Heritage Baptist Church. I'd like to just give you an invite. You get a chance to go to church anywhere. More important than going to church, knowing for sure you're going to heaven. Do you know for sure if you died today, you go to heaven? Can I take a moment and show you how? It's just a matter of having something in your head so when you say it, but church family, can I tell you something? You're not a tape recorder. You're not a CD player. Can I tell you what you are? You're a human being that have the, the living spirit of God inside of you. And the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And there's people that you know that you've never once said, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? If I do that, they're not gonna like me. That If I do that, they're gonna think I'm crazy. Okay, skip the idea, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Have you ever at least given your testimony? i never told you this before. But when I was about 20 years old, I went to a church. Preacher was preaching a message, preaching a message on hell. It was for the first time in my life, I realized that's what I deserved. And I prayed and accepted Christ that day. Could you at least tell your testimony to somebody how you got saved? Just tell me those people that you work with and those people that you know, that you know by name, they will go to heaven or hell. And if you don't tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ, they go to hell. I'm just going to tell you that at the great white throne judgment, I believe the scripture teaches that we're going to be there. And when the Bible talks about in Ezekiel, their blood being on our hand, I think that we're gonna be at the great white throne judgment. And I believe that we're actually gonna see their blood on our hand before they're cast. Church family, when the Bible says there's no more curse, no more tears, no more sorrow, it's not before the great white throne judgment. It's after the great white throne judgment. Mm-hmm. Amen. Stephen was committed. And part of that committed says, I'm gonna tell people about Jesus Christ. Part of that committed was, if I have to die for Christ, I'm willing to die for Christ. Amen. Committed. Church I mean, listen to me this morning. Christianity as a whole has become so passive about what we believe, passive about what, where we're going and what we're doing. Can I just tell you why most people do not want to do this? Because it goes against our grain. And church I mean, if you never knock on a door that's between you and God, I'm, I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on God's people. All I'm going to tell you is in the New Testament pattern, it says they went house to house. And I know the Mormons do it. I know the Jehovah's Witnesses do it. But it doesn't change the fact that Christians did it. Amen. You say, Pastor, I'm not that kind of person. That's fine. But you are the kind of person that rubs shoulders with people and you need to tell them about Christ. Amen. Well, if I do that, then I might get fired from my job. Then do it after you get off work. Amen. You're walking out to your car and they're going, you can at least say something to them. So Stephen, what was it, Why was he committed? I want to just look. I want to look this chapter here, and I just want to point out why I think he was committed. Why did he put his life in the hands of God? Why did he say, in, "In your hands I commend my spirit"? I want to tell you why why he was committed. I think it's the same things he did, the same thing we should be doing. If you got your Bible there, church family, we're in chapter number seven. I, 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 can, can I just stop and say, because you know where I'm going to go with this? Did you notice that in all of those verses? There's 60 verses in verse number chapter number seven. Did you notice that he was repeating about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses? Did you realize, and again, I know I didn't read them all, but did you realize he told the story verbatim of what we would have already read in the Old Testament Amen. about what happened with Abraham and what happened with Joseph as far as being sold in Egypt and what happened to Moses, the burning bush? Do you realize all those things were already written in the Old Testament? This is the book of Acts. Just me. Where did Stephen come up with that? I want to tell you where he came up with that. He read his Bible. Amen. He read his Bible. If you're gonna be committed to Christ, you've got to study the scriptures. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to, you've got to have a routine, a habit of life, of being in the book. Church, I mean, what is he? You know the verse by heart, Romans 10, verse number 17. Faith. Now, let's stop for a second here. What is the illustration mentioned um, or the characteristics mentioned about Stephen twice? Verbatim. What was it? He was full of faith. In chapter number seven, he's standing before a crowd about to be stoned, and he didn't flinch. L- listen, here, listen here, you stiff hearted people. I just told you the truth, and what you're gonna do to me is what, you, what your fathers did to all the other prophets. You don't like the message. How could he do that? I wanna tell you, he was committed. You know why he was committed? He's full of faith. Yeah. Now, to me, when you look at this chapter, it tells why he's full of faith. This guy, Stephen, knew the Bible. He knew, this. he knew his Old Testament as he's going through all of these stories. It's because of what he read, what he studied. Now, finish the verse. Faith cometh by hearing and... What's going to cause you to be committed? Being full of faith. How do you get full of faith? I want to tell you how you get full of faith. You put in the scriptures. Listen. The Bible talks about several things in the scriptures as far as faith. He talks about little faith. He talks about great faith. I think much, if I remember correctly, much faith. And then you have this one. This is kind of a unique statement about faith full of faith. Full. Church family, you don't get full unless you put something in. Can I just tell you that if you're going to be full of faith, you've got to continually put the word of God in. I have said for years, and I don't remember who wrote it first because it's not original, but a person made the statement that our sense of sin is in proportion to our nearness to God, and I believe that, really. Our sense of sin is in proportion to nearness of God. But if I could edit that a little bit, your fullness of faith has everything to do with your nearness to God. How do I get near to God? I've got to get in the book. Did you read your Bible? Don't waste your hand. Did you read your Bible this morning? Oh, I don't need to do that. pastor's going to preach, we'll probably read three chapters of church alone. No. Yes, you need church, but do you understand your personal walk with God? I'm busy. I don't have time. Then you're too busy. Several of you young guys over here, some of you young people, several of you young people over here, what you're going to be in life has everything to do with what you do with the Bible now. That's right. Amen. You listen to that statement. The only thing you go home with, you better listen to that. What you're going to be in life has everything to do with what you do with the Bible now. Yeah. I don't know what God's will is in my life. Well, how can you know if you're not reading the Bible? Amen. I don't know where I'm supposed to go to college. I don't know where I'm supposed to marry. I don't know what kind of job. I don't know what career. How do you expect to know that if you're not reading the Bible? Stephen was a man full of faith. He's full of faith because he studied the scriptures. Now, church, I mean, I, I, this is interesting to me, okay? Uh, it humors me to a little bit. But in chapter number seven, he was not just quoting scripture of the stories of scripture. He's preaching. You know why I know he's preaching? I know he's preaching because in chapter number seven, when you get down to that verse there, in verse number 51, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. Now, church, I me mean, think for just a moment here. You ever thought about that? The man of God did, did not just get up and teach the facts of the scriptures. Are you with me so far, say amen. amen. I'm tired of this thing. I'd go to that church, but the, the preaching is just too confrontational. How many of you old timers remember the day where a person would identify a church by saying, you ought to go to that church, that pastor's a hellfire, damnation type of preacher. Amen. You remember those kind of statements? When's the last time you heard that statement? oh, you ought to come to our church. Our pastor loves everybody. I don't love anybody. The pastor is not there to offend, but he's there to give the truth, and I'm trying to tell you the truth is going to offend. Stephen could not give this message Uh, Yeah, I know, listen, I know that you think I'm against Moses, but I'm really not. I really like Moses. Moses is such a wonderful character in Scripture. He's just so great. He's so kind. I just want you to know I'm on your side. That's not what Stephen did. Stephen says, I want to tell you something. It's not about me being against Moses. It's about you being against Moses. You know what your problem is? Moses pointed to Jesus Christ coming, and you didn't want to accept it. In fact, you killed him. You don't think that's offensive? I believe, and you know, I believe that every service is a message from God. It's not a sermon, that God gives a message to a person, God gives a message to the people. I believe that. But there's been many a time a person walked out the door and said, man, you stepped on my toes. I don't work at stepping on people's toes. I don't have anybody in my mind about, boy, this person really needs this. And I'm, thank- I'm thankful for that. And some of you ought to be thankful that I have a really bad memory. And It's true. And I'm and you know I tell you what, I'm so thankful for that too. Because I don't have to be behind the pulpit preaching on thinking, oh, this guy over here is not gonna like that, or this guy over here is gonna stop giving, or this guy over here. I don't think that way. You know that. Amen. Amen. Stephen got up and preached the word of God. Can I tell you what's gonna build your faith? Number one, it's the study of the scriptures, but second of all, it's preaching. Amen. Turn over to Romans chapter 10 for just a moment. Uh, I want to read the verses around verse 17. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 14. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. I'll start reading while you're turning. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, "'How then shall they call on him "'in whom they have not believed? "'And how shall they believe in him "'of whom they have not heard? "'And how shall they hear without a.'" What's the word? Preacher. Now I know the word preacher can be a soul winner also here, but this is without a preacher. "'And how shall they preach except they be sent? "'As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them "'that preach the gospel of peace "'and bring glad tidings of good things, "'for they have not all obeyed the gospel.'" In other words, everybody's not gonna get saved. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very what? What in the world? Isaiah was bold? And saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Just, I mean, there's something about preaching that God has ordained that causes it to build our faith. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians one twenty one: For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God... By the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Listen, church family. Uh, God, you're, if you're saved this morning. Say amen. 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 Okay, so when you got saved, the Holy Spirit comes, came, and, came and dwells inside of you. Do you have a Bible in your hand, yes or no? Yes. All right, you got a Bible in your hand. So as a Christian, I've got the Spirit of God inside of me. I've got the Word of God to, to help mold me, make me. And then God's given us, I mean, I'm going to use the preaching, but he gives us a man of God to preach us the word. Of, to preach the word. So can I just tell you, there's a, almost like a threefold cord that helps me grow in my faith. The spirit of God, the word of God, the man of God. The spirit of God you got when you got saved. The word of God you have every day of your life. That's why you need to have your devotions. But there's something about coming together for the preaching of God's word. I don't like his personality. I don't like my own personality. Church we don't come to church because he's too short, he's too long, he's got good illustrations. That's not why we come to church. We come to church because we've got a book in our hand and God says, listen, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves so that the preaching of God's word through the word of God, the spirit of God, or the man of God can help build our faith. Do you understand there's a lot of people who do not go to church that have used all kinds of excuses why they're not going to church and they're looking at the superficial, listen now, they're, they're looking at the superficial instead of the spiritual. Right. Amen. You need to stop looking at it. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. Because if that was the case, we're all in trouble. Right. Because God delegated a parent Amen. for you growing up God delegated a teacher in a school, God delegated an officer on the street. God has all kinds of delegated authorities in our life. And so if you've got the mentality, I'm not gonna go to church because the preacher's not gonna tell me what to do, then you need to throw out every other delegated authority in your life too then. Preaching builds your faith, builds your faith. I had a lady one time, she went to work and they were asking her to do something that was anti-scriptural at work. And she said, she, this is what she came back and told me. She says, I told them I'm not going to do what they asked me to do because my preacher said not to. And I'm just thinking, why did you do that? We don't live our life based upon what the preacher says. We live our life based upon what the Bible says. Her answer should not be the preacher said that. Her answer says, listen, I've got a Bible of conviction. The Bible says I shouldn't do that. so I don't do that. So what does preaching do? Preaching comes from the word of God to build your faith, to strengthen your faith so that you as a Christian can be full of faith, which causes you to be committed. I'm going to do what God wants me to do regardless of what man says. I'm going to do what God wants me to do regardless of what my job says. You know why that happens? Because you have a faith in the word of God that God says this, that's why I do this, and it causes me to be committed. It's like a chain reaction. What's going to cause you to build your faith or be full of faith? Number one, study the scripture. Number two, listen to preaching. Just minute, I'm almost done, but I want to say them if you don't mind. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number six through nine, the Bible says that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The Bible says another scripture as far as the trial of our faith. In 1 Timothy 4, verse number 10, for we therefore, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of all those that believe faith, all those that believe. James 1 verse 3 and 4, knowing this, that the, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. That she may be perfect, in other words complete, that you may be perfect in entire, wanting, lacking, wanting, wanting nothing. Now, we don't like this one, and, and I'll be shorter on these, this next one or two here. But can you, can you understand that one of the things that's going to build your faith is affliction? What builds your faith? Word of God. What builds your faith? Preaching. What builds your faith? Affliction. I mean, we haven't really gone through affliction yet. We've, we're kind of, I feel like we're stair stepping to it as far as in our society, what we can and cannot do, what they, what they want you to do, what they're trying to make us do in a lot of areas of our life. Now, follow me for just a moment here. Can I just tell you, as a Christian, what builds your faith, what makes you stronger, is the idea of when, there, when there's trouble, when there's trial, when there's affliction. I had the college with me this last week. I think it was last week, week before. And I don't know why. It was on my computer still. But when the health department and the sheriff's department and the sheriff came out, health department, two officers, when they all came out, Barnabas was in that meeting. I think Brother Mize was in that meeting. And then I was in that meeting. And I didn't know how it was going to pan out because they, they were coming to tell us, don't have church, shut the doors, you're not allowed to have church. I knew that's why they were coming. So I tape recorded, yes, without them knowing, I tape recorded, all righty? I'm sorry. I did. I know I didn't know what was going to come out of it and I you know, I I knew I could take whatever if I cussed or something I could take that out. But <laughs> So I put yeah, I put that in my desk drawer and I had my phone in there and I had it recording. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy that people were trying to t- that government was so important that government can tell churches you don't need to have church whether it's for a health reason or not. And by the way, if it's a health reason, stay home. Amen. If you're sick, don't come. But don't tell us the doors can't be open. That's communistic. Okay, now you know how I feel. I don't hide it very well. (laughs) So the college was with me, and I had had not pulled that out in forever since that, that because a year and a half ago, I guess, or a year ago, however long it was. And I said, Oh, I found that, and the meeting was on that, and I pushed it. And when they came in, I wasn't happy. And I just told him, I said, listen, it's amazing, I'm gonna paraphrase, I said, it's amazing, you can tell the media on why we can't have church, but you can't even tell me why we can't have church. Oh, it got really quiet. (laughs) Now, if you haven't figured out, I'm a Baptist preacher, I believe you ought to have church. Amen, that's right. And this idea, you know, (laughs) I don't know if you see it like I see it, but I get sick and tired of these people well, what does the Bible say about you having church? I thought your Bible said, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's amazing how they want to use Bible and they don't even know what the Bible says. I always look at those people and I said, that's the second greatest commandment. Do you know what the first greatest commandment is? It says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, which means you're supposed to love him more than you love man. That's why we're having church. I said it in a very Christian way, though. But I want to tell you something. That made the church stronger. You know what it did? It increased your faith. It wasn't a matter that we told told them we're going to have church. It's just a matter of you figured out, hey, listen, we don't go to church because people allow us to go to church. We go to church because that's what the Bible says to do. Hey, what? The day could come. It could. This was a test run, by the way. Have you figured out in the state of Kansas there's still Baptist churches? There's still Baptist churches who are still not having all their services because the government said they couldn't? Foolishness. Wickedness. But I will say this. On the other side of that, I look back and I think, man, God, it's amazing what the Lord did, what he did. People that I thought were going to get mad and leave. Pastor, we're behind you. You're exactly right. We're going to have church. I don't know if you were here the one service. I said, "Now listen, I'm telling you, it's it's getting it's really tense because we weren't supposed to have church in here." And I said, "The police could come," and I said, "If they're going to arrest me, I'm just letting you know. Somebody else, the deacon's next next person up is the deacon. And when we get through all three of those deacons, then one of you men need to stand up." Amen. Well, I didn't know how how that was going to go well because nobody wants to get arrested. (laughs) I mean, we like reading about in the Bible, but we don't like it today. (laughs) But I want to just tell you something that made the church strong. I can't tell you how many guys came to me after, hey, put me in line. I'll get up there. Amen. Now, some of our guys in our church—they're kind of redneckish. I can see. I can see the police coming and then pulling out their revolver on the police <laughs> officer. I can just see it. I mean. Hey, can I tell you what builds your faith, Mrs. Green? I, I'm sorry. I, I'm being real sensitive here. This is tough on you right now, but I'm—I'm I'm telling you, I know what's doing for you. Build your faith. Nobody likes to see a death in the family. Nobody likes to see sickness. Nobody likes to see financial difficulty. Nobody likes to see offenses. But I'm just trying to tell you, when all of those things come into your life and you're hurting on the inside, it's strengthening you. You know why? Because you have nowhere else to turn but him. Amen. Amen. He was full of faith. He was committed to Christ. Committed to Christ because of the scriptures. He was committed to Christ because of preaching. He was committed to Christ because of the affliction. And I'm done. I'll just say it. But the last thing that will build your faith, according to Mark chapter 9, number 23 and 24, <laughs> Jesus told the disciples, or the disciples asked Jesus, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Can I tell you what's going to increase your faith? Just ask the Lord to help you build your faith. You know, one of the things I have to ask God on a regular basis for forgiveness for during my model prayer time, if we confess our sins, but it's usually, so Lord, please forgive me for not having faith, forgive me for not trusting you like I should, but I always ask him, Lord, would you please strengthen my faith? God, I'm going to trust you. Even though I can't see, I'm supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, and so many times I wanna walk by sight, not by faith. God, would you please help me to trust you? Church, I, mean, I love you, and there's some of you that you're probably going through things you're not even telling me about right now, but can I just tell you that what's gonna cause you to stay committed to Christ and not waver to the left or the right is simply being full of faith. Hey, isn't it interesting, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number six, you know the verse. But without faith, it is what? Impossible to please please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Trust Him. Believe Him. Have faith in God. Now, this morning, I'm done. If you're here, no matter what your age is this morning, and you in your mind do not know for sure that if you breathed your last breath that you'd be in heaven. Would you please let someone take five minutes and show you from the Bible what it means to be saved? During the invitation, we do business with God, what people come down to the front. I'm gonna be down at the front, if you're a man or a woman. If you're a man, would you let a man go to the side, take five minutes and just show you what the Bible says, then you decide. If you're a lady, let a lady. Listen, you say that's for adults. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, would you please let someone take a Bible and show you how? When you're not joining the church, you're not getting baptized, just let someone show you what the scripture says about you getting saved going to heaven. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning?